Have you ever wondered if there was an easy, more natural way to teach your kids to write? This is today's podcast episode. Welcome, everyone. This is the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, which is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, 31 Days in God's Word. You can find all three of those books on Amazon. You can also find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com. And you can find the four-hour school day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. Also, if you're interested in a digital download of a devotional that I wrote to go with the four-hour school day, it's called Encouraging a Homeschool Heart. And it is, like I said, it was written to a company the four-hour school day. You can get that for free simply by subscribing to my monthly email newsletter. So I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. But this devotional is just, it's a great time of year to be going through it because it helps orient us and reorient us toward um, the purpose of our, our homeschooling and helps us sort of hone in on what God has specifically for our own family. So that as we go into this next school year, we are going into it intentionally and knowing that we are moving toward what God has for our families. Also, I have an online mentoring course called the Unhurried Homeschooler Mentoring Course. This is a series of videos that I created where I talk about and um, share stories and give resources on taking a more simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling, kindergarten through twelfth grade. So I'm just I just speak from my um, my experience, and um, I think it's a, a real encouragement and a real burden lifter. So I hope you'll check that out as well. I will leave a link to that in the show notes. You know, every week, well, every episode, actually, I talk about CTC math, and I wanted to share a little testimonial from one of our listeners. She said, I now have my son on CTC math. He is my oldest of five, and he loves it. He told me that he likes that he can move on faster than our previous material allowed. This has also freed me up to be able to spend more focused time with my two and three-year-olds, so this is fantastic. Thank you for telling your podcast listeners about CTC math. I can already tell this will be very helpful for us. If you're interested in checking that out, um, you can visit ctcmath.com. There's a free trial, which I absolutely love because you get to find out all the ins and outs of that math program before deciding if you would like to uh, move forward with it. But I hope you'll check it out. I'll leave a link in the show notes to ctcmath.com. All right. So it is now August and the new school year is not too far away. So I thought it would be fun to tackle a related topic to hopefully help ease the burden of stress that you might be feeling. So today we're going to talk about writing. I've always felt like writing is more of an art and less of a science, which would explain why it can be such a challenge to teach. I've always been a fan of doing things in a way that feels more intuitive and natural and less forced. Today, my friend Kay is here to share natural ways that we can teach our kids to write. So here's a little background on Kay. Kay Chance homeschooled her two boys for 15 years. While teaching them, she discovered a passion for writing and developing curriculum resources. She loves sharing natural learning methods and creative lesson ideas with other homeschooling parents in her column, Learning Naturally in Homeschooling Today magazine, where she is the co-executive editor. 
She's also the author of the older extensions for the Trail Guide to Learning series and a freelance writer and content creator. She makes her home in Texas with her husband, Brian. Kay, welcome. I'm so thankful you're here today. Well, thank you for letting me come. Um, we, we love Dorinda so much at the magazine uh, because she just brings such a warmth and experience and grace um, to everything she writes and encourages. So oh. thank you. We appreciate you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate homeschooling today because it's just every time I go through that magazine and I look at all the different articles in there, I'm just like, this is such a great magazine. I mean, just the content is so rich and just something you can read over and over and over again. I keep all my issues because it's a beautiful magazine and the content is amazing. So I I just can't, there's no way I can't throw it away because again, it's content you can go back to over and over and over again. So moms, I will leave a link in the show notes to homeschooling today because, um, because it is such a great resource. Okay, so I think uh, Kay and I decided we're going to start out. um, I'm going to read a a question that I got from a reader, which is sort of what spurred on this idea to talk about uh, writing. This was such a great question from a listener. She was asking, um, what are your thoughts on natural organic ways to learn to put pen to paper and to write or compose and expose students to practicing all types of writing, stories, articles, creative pieces, fact writing, etc. And this mom says, I am I totally am comfortable using living books as the basis of homeschool, history, science, literature, ideas, language, etc. I need understanding Um, and to learn how to naturally teach writing. So she wants ideas on how to teach writing skills more naturally or in small doses so as not to overwhelm. So if you could just take off with some of those ideas, uh, Kay, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, and I like what you said at the beginning because it is so important. Writing has got a reputation of being such a hard thing to teach, Um, And I think it's because we try to make it look like maybe what we grew up with and we don't have to do that. So I like to start out with, we need a paradigm shift. We, uh, why are we even teaching our kids to write? It's to communicate. um, It's to share, you know, what they've learned. It can be to um, help persuade people to think differently. There's so many different types of writing and so what we really need to do is develop our kids' thinking skills first. Mm-hmm, and their ability to think will directly um, impact their ability to write. A lot of the yeah. skills you can figure out. Yes, yes. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I think what, what you're saying um, is is uh, so intuitive and natural for us as moms when we are, mm-hmm. I always tell moms to homeschool from uh, your, just from your mom heart. And as you nurture your children, um, it is natural to ask them questions. It is natural to encourage them to problem solve. So I think so much of it starts with conversation. Wouldn't you say that? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think we miss out on when we're so worried about doing a curriculum. Mm-hmm. It, we forget a lot of writing is really just processing and thinking and developing mm-hmm. those critical thinking skills. And because we grew up in a system that separated learning into boxes, it's mm-hmm. hard to 
get out of the box and start seeing learning as a whole that's connected. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you don't have to teach writing as a class. You're teaching your child to be a good communicator. And that has a lot more to it than just pen to paper. But it's not scary things. It's the things that you're probably already doing naturally, mm-hmm. like you said, in conversations and asking questions. So yeah, that's the starting point. And mm-hmm. I also want to tell parents that it's also really important that you understand that you know more than you think you know about teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, you know, if you look back, how did your kids learn to talk? You didn't mm-hmm. get a board book out <laughs> that, you know, right. language lessons. No, you... You talked around them. You talked to them. Um, they were completely surrounded by language. You read books mm-hmm. to them. They picked it up because they were immersed in this world of language. And that's really what writing can be about, is just immersing them in a world of language. And yes, we give them some direction. But, you know, um, instead of getting freaked out that there might be a mistake, you just use that for opportunities for growth. Like, you remember when we used to laugh when our kids would say that something incorrectly, we right. thought it was adorable. And then all of a sudden they start writing and we feel like, oh my goodness, they're they're always going to do this. I've got to correct this. I've got to fix this, you know, and that's right out and go a lot of this by being around people who have conversations and reading good literature, they're absorbing these rules of grammar all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Now, one of the things that I, I think has been helpful is when I have, you you talk about reading good books. So, so first of all, there may be a lot of new homeschooling moms out there. Um, I think what we want to do is clarify that when we talk about good books, we're talking about living books, right? So can you tell moms what is, what are living books and where can they find good book lists? Oh yeah. Um, you know, I love the the term living books because, you know, living and breathing and that idea of life. So um, one, it tends to be written by a single author, maybe, you know, two authors, but it's not a textbook, which is just a compilation of a lot of different people, you know, right. together. Um, it tends to be about really one topic and usually instead of trying to cover all the things. Um, but I think the most important part, what for me defines a living book is that it actually captures and engages the imagination mm-hmm. of the child mm-hmm. and often the parent. I think yes. I missed out on so many good books. That was one of the most fun things about homeschooling is I was like, oh, these are just so fun and so awesome. And um, yeah, that's the best thing about being a homeschool mom is you get to do it over and it's, it's a blast because you get to go alongside your children in your journey. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you get to experience education in a whole new way. And I love how you described it earlier. It's that paradigm shift. And when we talk about, um, you know, you talk about living books, um, one of the places that I like to get um, book lists from, I'll just, I'll throw out a few just because I think moms like to like, where do I go? Give me some direction. Um, You can actually Google living books and, and lists will come up and there's a lot of blog, uh, blogs out there with lists like that, but Honey for a Child's Heart, um, Mm -hmm. the Read Aloud family has really good book lists. So those are a couple sources. But again, if you just Google living books, um, a lot of bloggers out there have made some awesome book lists as well. 
Right. So, and we even in our uh, the magazine, we have a column called Great Books where we choose three books for each issue that we're going to Oh, great. Too. Awesome. Uh, yes. So there are lists everywhere. One of the things I used to do because I homeschooled back in the day of printed catalogs and I would go right. to homeschooling and those that I saw that the work, you know, the same title over and over, I knew that's what I wanted because it was. Mm. And so, you know, ask your mom friends, you know, yes. that's, that's a great source. Sometimes it's like, what did your child enjoy? Yes. But I also would caution um, to, I didn't read everything first that my children read, but in the early years, I was much more careful mm-hmm, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of things now today that aren't appropriate age-wise. And so you right. be a little more careful. And that's why finding trusted resources is incredibly helpful. Right, right. And the two that I listed are very, very trustworthy. And of course, homeschooling today is very trustworthy as well. But um, one thing I was going to um, mention regarding that is uh, it can be a great practice to have our kids do copy work from good literature. Right. Because that's, you know, they're seeing it, they're, they're processing it onto the paper. And so there's like a training going on. Um, that gets them geared towards recognizing what good literature is. Exactly. And they, that goes back to that idea of how did you teach your child to speak? You know, mm-hmm. you talked around them. Well, how do you teach your child to write? You immerse them in a world of good writers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who actually write for a living. You know, they've, they've, they've written books instead of just talk about writing. They right. like do it. And so copy work is an excellent way. Um, you would be surprised how much kids absorb, uh, but you can also be intentional about it. Like you can choose copy work for the day and go, okay, today we are just going to focus on our handwriting, you know, and mm-hmm, you can worry mm-hmm. about your things because maybe that's right. what you're focused on. Or you may say, we're going to focus on our spelling of, you know, these words today. You can give them different focuses to strengthen skills so that they're not overwhelmed trying to do all the things in those beginning years of learning to write. Oh, that's excellent. So when you mentioned the paradigm shift, what I heard you saying is we're remembering the purpose. First of all, the overall purpose of writing. But what you're saying right now is even on a daily basis in their daily lessons, like what is the purpose of this writing they're doing today? Right. So that it's clear and it's not overwhelming. I love that idea because you're like saying, I don't care about the rest of it. I just care about, you know, whatever it is you're focusing on that day because maybe they need a little more work in that particular area. And I remember just starting out, um, some of my kids just really did not enjoy writing. And so one of the things that we did to kind of try to, oh, just foster more joy in that was just this whole, um, where they're just writing for a five minutes. Just write whatever comes to your head. It doesn't have to make sense. Just get it out of your head and onto the paper. And um, and I'm not even going to check it. Like, I'm not even going to look at it. Because sometimes, you know, I think because I... I, I like words and I am, you know, kind of a stickler about how things are written. It was hard for me not to over-criticize writing. And so I think my kids were a little intimidated by that and I totally get it, you know, 
looking back, I think, oh my goodness, yeah, I can see where that would be a problem. But when I gave them the freedom to just write whatever, just just start out just getting the words out of your head onto the paper. We don't care about the content. I don't care, you know, and then you move on from there. But that was a super helpful way to sort of, I guess I'm making that suggestion in case you're in a place where maybe your kids are a little bit older and they really have developed a hate for writing, (laughs) that that might be a good option for them. So maybe speak to that mom real quickly who's there right now and going, okay, I I don't, I haven't done this well. I don't know how to kind kind of reorient the ship and get it going a different direction. Well, you know, I actually experienced this some with my youngest child um, and it came to pretty much all, all of school. He would much rather have been building Legos with right. you know, any day of the week. Um, he was he was slower to enjoy reading. He was slower to enjoy writing. But this is also the child who now at 23 um, has read some wonderful books and is like, I just read this, you know, and often our kids lose that after college. And so mm-hmm. I just want to say there's hope. If you're like, oh, my child doesn't like to do anything, it's okay because a lot of them will grow into themselves later. Yes, on. yes, yes. Especially though, if we give them a nurturing environment to do that, like what you talked about. So what is most important? Writing is thinking and their thoughts are important. So letting them know, I think what you have to say is important and I want to hear it. Um, And then just not worrying, like you said, about making it look right and formal and having all the grammar correct. Start with just appreciating their thoughts and the content. Are. Yes. Content yes. It's important. All the other stuff can be shaped up. You know, mm-hmm. I actually work, you know, as an editor for the magazine and great writers still need feedback because mm-hmm. it's like two different parts of the brain. When I write something, I need someone else to edit it. And when someone else writes, they need my editing hand at times. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think our kids need to see writing can be a partnership. They're mm. not, they don't have to do it alone. Um, and it's actually, uh, it will make them a better writer because they have a reader giving them feedback. So those things can be shaped up at the end. But the important part are the thoughts and learning to get those down um, is very important. Like you, you talked about conversation earlier this week. So I say with an older writer, well, any age really, before you set them down to write, talk first. Mm-hmm. Talk about the subject they'll be writing about. Ask them questions. Let them process out aloud, out loud before you have them sit down to write. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Because a conversation is way less intimidating. Yes. Than, yeah. 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 And then again, remembering the purpose of that particular assignment. Now, I remember taking, um, just trying to kind of streamline some things. I would have my um, older kids read their history and then write a summary mm-hmm. of of what they read. And that's a, that's a different type of writing. Um, and my our, our son, who is a software engineer, he's like, that was actually the most helpful writing I could have ever done, which is good because it's about all he did. He hated, (laughs) hated everything when it came to language arts, everything. And so we just really limped along. And then he started college at 16 Mm -hmm. and I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is not going to go well. Um, We haven't done, you know, much in the way of the, you know, five paragraph essays or he had not done a bunch of different writing. Um, he was so focused on math and so passionate about it. And I wanted to make sure I was giving him, 
you know, like the space to really work on that. Cause that was actually going to be the bigger part of what he wanted to do, which is um, coding, you know, being a software engineer. And so, um, yeah, he aced his English entrance exam, which completely shocked me. And then he went on the first quarter to take a very difficult English class and got a B plus on his first paper. It had footnotes and everything. I didn't teach him any of that. So it was at that point, you were talking earlier about growing into something. Well, he had a goal in mind. Exactly. He wanted that degree. And so that particular skill came after I was part of the picture anymore. So, you know, and so it's, you know, really have to be, I think it's important for moms to realize that you do have that, you do have more margin than you think. And there are things that your kids just aren't going to hone in on the skill unless they need to at a certain point in their lives. And now fast forward, he's 28. He's, he's been working for, oh my gosh, since he was 21, um, as a software engineer. And now I ask him, okay, cause we talk about this a lot, like w- his language arts and the writing and the struggle that it was and how glad we were when it was all over with. And, <laughs> he, and he just said, you know, the only thing I use in this particular career is I need to be able to communicate to someone else through an email, what I'm trying to say in a way that they will understand it. And then the other thing is that he sometimes has to write troubleshooting guides. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all he does when it comes to writing. But you see, you you even said the exact thing we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. He needs it to communicate clearly his mm-hmm. ideas. And that's right. really what all writing is about. And that's why I emphasize the development of good thinking skills mm-hmm. and the content above the other things, because when they need it, they will, they will do what they need to do. I think that's part of the key to writing in general, um, is that giving real purpose to writing, not, not seeing writing as just something to check a box off with, but to actually purpose for it. And I think that's one of the things that makes teaching writing, like we grew up with this idea, you had an English class. And so you wrote about these specific topics that you were given in English class. And then you might go to your history class after that and do something totally different we can actually have them write about the things they're learning. We can be assessing whether they're understanding it because we don't have to see these subjects as completely different subjects. We can incorporate because writing is a skill subject that it can be incorporated as you're learning other subjects. Right. Exactly. So as there's a, maybe an interest now, I had to be careful because I would sometimes squash their interest um, <laughs> in the, you know, in the hopes of getting some writing out of them. So yeah. you, you do have to kind of be a little bit careful because you do want to keep, I want them to stay with that interest as long as possible until they, until right. it's worn out. So again, we're going to be careful with this, but sometimes there is a time and a place where, you know, they can write down all the things that they love about a T-Rex, you know, or, you know what I mean? Just, and all it is, is just that practice of, oh, I have this thought about that thing and now I'm getting it out on paper. You know, they don't, they're not, they're not consciously thinking all of that, but that's what's happening. Right. And I think something we need to step back and realize too, it's not cheating for us to help them in that process. So if you've got a really reluctant writer, a child that's maybe, you know, um, just just 
doesn't want to do it because maybe they've got some associated feelings with it. Like, I'm a failure. I can't do this. You can have them speak it out loud and then you write it up or Mm -hmm. get into a tape recorder and then write it up. Like, feel free to like, I I say, pray about your children's needs. Reach that instead of trying to force a curriculum. Yes, totally agree with that. You know, and there are certain things that work well for some kids that don't work for others. Like maybe like what you suggested was great where they can just say it out loud to you and you can write it down or type it out. Um, Getting a pen pal. That for some kids is just a huge motivator to learn to write. Maybe they're very relational. They want to make a new friend or get to know somebody. They're, they're more that type of personality that would enjoy that. There's so many different ways to do this. And I, I love the idea of not forcing any one certain way. Um, so t- share some more ideas on encouraging our kids Uh, kind of natural, organic ways um, to encourage them to put pen to paper. What other ideas do you have? You talked about copy work. As your kids get older, you can move on. Well, I wouldn't say move on. Copy work is always valuable, no matter what Mm -hmm. child. Right, right. Uh, But you can add in dictation sometimes, which really requires a little bit higher level thinking skills because Mm -hmm. as you're saying things out loud and you're pausing, the child has to think, is that a period or a comma that goes at that pause? And we Mm -hmm. would take it slow And if they asked a question in the beginning, I would just answer it because I knew that they were thinking through, oh, she just paused. I need to to record that in some way. Right, right. And just to explain to moms what dictation is, because I think there may, again, be a lot of new homeschoolers Mm -hmm. out there who don't understand what that is. So if you could just give a quick explanation of that. Well, with copy work, you're copying what's something that's written right in front of you. Right, right. With dictation, mom might be reading that passage, that sentence, whatever it is, and the child is listening and writing what they hear. Uh, so right. it's not note taking, you know, mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. If you go to church, you may be taking notes about what the pastor's saying. Um, and we don't tend to do word for word. So with dictation, you're actually trying to do it word for word, but it's the same idea of translating the um spoken word into the written word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And so, okay, so I'm just going to kind of walk them through this process just real quickly, because I think it helps me to see things sort of in an order. Yes. Um, so when, and you can, you can do this when your kids are older, but typically if you're starting out homeschooling in the younger years, you can start out with, because, you know, obviously our kids don't start out knowing how to write, right? Okay. So you've got a first grader, they're just now maybe writing some words, but they're copying them, right? So they're not actually writing a sentence yet. Um, and so maybe when we're talking with them, uh, we've read a book with them, we're going to ask questions about what they remember about the story, you know, what happened and then what happened next. So we're doing, we're doing basically language arts orally um, at that earlier age while they're learning to actually write actual letters and words and put them together. So, so there's that. And then it, and then it can go into um, copy work um, because that, again, they're not having to come up with the sentences, but they are writing out full, complete sentences with right, proper punctuation, proper spelling. So they're already becoming familiar with what good writing is. Um, 
And they're also absorbing um, grammar rules naturally, like just like you did when you were learning to speak and you were hearing things. Mm -hmm. Writing, you're starting to absorb without having to study nouns and verbs and all that. Exactly. Together. Right. Exactly. And I think that's where we get a little bit thrown off sometimes because so much curriculum ask them to start identifying all that stuff. Yes. And I think sometimes it wrecks the mm-hmm. writing process. Right. right. And, you know, at some point, yeah, it it's, might be a good idea to know what a noun and a verb and an ad, but really after you graduate from high school, <laughs> when does it ever matter again? You know what I tell people about grammar, it's better to learn it naturally absorbing rules. And then you can put maybe vocabulary that goes with what they already know. They know how this word functions. Right. Um, so now maybe I have a vocabulary so that when we're talking about writing in the high school years, I'm like, you know, talking about the idea of verbs that really show what's going on. And mm-hmm. we can talk in that language, but that comes after the understanding of what those words are doing. Right, right. And and experiencing the flow of writing and all of that. So if you're right, you've got a third grader and you're all hung up in grammar books, I, I would, my encouragement would be put them away. Yes. Exactly. And just focus on a love for writing and a love for reading good literature and reading with our kids and having good conversations. Right. If yeah. you feel like you really have to do some grammar, maybe you've got to state the test over some of these things. I would say make a game out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like it might be, okay, we're going on a scavenger hunt for nouns in the house. Go right. find me a ball, you know. Right, and right. Try to make it more of a game and fun instead of this drudgery thing. Yes, yes. And can I just say conversation counts as grammar. Absolutely. You know, it absolutely does. Reading out loud to your kids, that counts mm-hmm. as grammar. Yes. You know, so just because it's not coming boxed up a certain way does not remove its value. Yeah. Um, and we're doing it. We just haven't labeled it that. Most exactly. Doing all of these things. That's why I start out by saying you already know a lot more about teaching writing than you realize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. terms of, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. So, you know, after copy work, then you move on to dictation. But what were you? Yes. No, let's finish that little process. You're right. I kind of like went off on a side (laughs) trip there. So, yes. So now you've got copy work. Now you're going to dictation. And that really, you do really see a transition there of that's quite, it's much, it's more challenging for sure. And it definitely takes them kind of firing on all cylinders to, to do that. But it is such a good practice, such yes. a good practice. And it'll help you become yeah. a better note taker as you get older too. Yes, that's super important. Okay. So I think um, where I wanted to go with, uh, maybe as we're kind of getting close to wrapping this up, we were, this, this person who wrote in, uh, was talking about organic ways to learn to put pen to paper, which we've talked about. Um, So as far as composing and exposing to practicing all types of writing, stories, articles, creative pieces, fact writing, what would be an organic, natural way to do that? I think it's in the variety of the literature that we have in the house. I mean, Mm. you know, we talk or going to the library, um, we talked about that living books engage students. And sometimes we think of that as only like novels and fiction. 
but some of the best books can be about a science topic or nature mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think being careful that you not only read, but you read widely, a lot of different mm-hmm. types of writing. Um, right. As they get older, uh, it was pointed out once and I started looking at it. So right, sports writers can be some of the best writers as far as capturing people's attention. Right, and, right. So getting out those good old fashioned news stories, you know, and, and reading those aloud, you can be talking about current events and you can also talk about bias and you can talk about how the words we choose can m- make us believe one thing or another. Like there, it's so rich when we read widely and then to think and be able to uh, translate that to oh I can I can I can do that as a writer also mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I love that because what this does then is this allows us to um, sort of engage our kids um, with their interests so as you know maybe we have a son who's interested in sports well then let's read the sports section you know yeah. just just be able to make that connection that it's okay for us to be reading this over here rather than this, you know, piece of, you know, Shakespeare or whatever over here. (laughs) Right. And you know, it was surprising how much when we frame things differently, how much differently our kids accept them. I taught, uh, we had a small kind of co-op, just about five families that kind of grew up together. Mm. And I taught an English class to them when they were in high school. And I convinced all the kids before we read Pride and Prejudice that this was actually a really funny book that, you know, was very sarcastic and they love being sarcastic at that age. Right, right. Those kids ended up loving that book because they had the, the mindset when they went in that this is actually going to be funny if I look for it. Right. Uh, so I think when we frame it as something enjoyable or something mm-hmm. they can get out of or connect with, that that can also be a way to encourage. It won't work every time. Uh, right. But we did this really fun thing where we pretend we were bloggers uh, as these different characters, you know. And so like Mr. Collins' guide on how to win a woman, well, you know, <laughs> they had fun with it because they could be funny, but they really were diving into the characterization in this novel. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, you know, I, 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 this has just been a great conversation and I'm just wondering if there's anything else that you want to make sure that you communicate to the audience before we wrap things up here. I would say one, like the, the foundation is worry more about their thinking skills than you do their writing skills. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's really what this is about is communicating what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't write clearly if you can't think clearly. True. True. Excellent. And are there any resources that you'd want to share that um, either yours or others that you, you just, they just pop into mind. You're like, this is one of the best resources we ever used. Can you share those with the moms? We used um, some of the materials from Brave Rider, Julie Bogart. Mm-hmm, um, at, mm-hmm. the time, at the time, it was the Rider's Jungle, but I think she's she's renamed to that program in the younger years. Right. Um, but one of my favorites for just helping moms in general, but with the idea of natural learning, is Dr. Ruth Beechick. She has mm-hmm. can teach your child successfully. Um, she has the younger version, which are the three R's, which always makes me laugh because arithmetic doesn't start with an R. But it's I like, know, right? Like, no, that just bugs me. <laughs> but it, it does cover those three basics of reading, mm. writing, which starts with a W, and arithmetic. And so right. um, there's definitely a section of writing in that book. So Dr. Ruth Beechick, and 
even some of the ideas of Dr. Uh, Charlotte Mason are mixed in mm-hmm. with these. Uh, mm-hmm. but Dr. Buchik's one of my very favorites for natural learning methods. Awesome. Well, we will leave links in the show notes for those as well. And then if you could just quickly tell moms how they can connect with you. Yeah, I, I, since I work with homeschooling today, that's my primary um, where I spend my time writing and doing things. So uh, my email is k.chance at homeschoolingtoday.com. And I love getting questions and being able to talk to moms. Um, it's actually the joy of doing this. So mm, I love that. Well, we will leave a link in the show notes. You have a website as well. Is that correct? Um, no, not right now. I'm just using, I, I'm combi- combining most of the things I'm creating, um, doing it for homeschooling today. And so we're Great. excited. We're going to be having some things come out on helping with more details about all of these things, but still Wonderful. trying to simple. So. Great. Well, then we'll just direct everyone to homeschooling today to be looking for that information. That's wonderful. All right. Well, I'm going to close real quickly in a word of prayer. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for Kay. Thank you for her willingness to come and just really lift burdens that we as homeschooling moms do tend to carry when it comes to uh specifically really writing is I think one of the more heavy burdens that we carry Lord. And that doesn't necessarily come naturally for all of us to sort of hone in on with our kids. And so we thank you for these ideas today. I pray that the ideas that are a good fit for the moms who are listening, that you would bring those back to their minds as they move into this homeschooling year. And I just pray that over this next homeschooling year, um, there would just be some great experiences when it comes to homeschooling in general, but specifically when it comes to writing. And so I just pray a blessing over them. And we just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Kay. We're so glad you joined us. All right. Well, I'm going to share one last resource, moms, before we uh, part ways. Um, Do you want to homeschool, but you're worried about your child's socialization? I think a lot of us, um, especially new homeschoolers, might have those kinds of concerns. Um, Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities um, for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. Thanks again for being here, moms. Have a great day.